Welcome to the Binge Your Bum Podcast with Ellen Sherman and Gillian Gordon. So this is episode 16. Welcome to the show. We're going to be looking at Spin, which is on Amazon Prime, Mariachi's, a Mexican series, which you can find on Netflix, and A Spy Among Us, a new British series uh, about Kim Philby on MGM2 or Plus or something like that. So a very, very exciting show and some really, really interesting material. As I was saying to Gillian, and I will urge everybody to watch, you know, if you see something that you like, watch it when you can, because apparently, according to uh, the New Yorker Radio Hour, which I listen to sort of obsessively every Saturday, you know, one of the reasons that you can't maybe find American series is because of the cost of um, residuals that one has to pay. And I'm happy as a member of the Writers Guild to have it being paid to our talent. You're going to go out on strike then? Unfortunately, I'm not being hired enough to well, know. Well, apparently the the robots are going to be writing the scripts. Oh, so, God, yes. So oh, Lord. You, you know the quality is really going to be outstanding. So, <laughs> anyway, so welcome to Binger Bomb. My name's Gillian Gordon. I'm, I'm Ellen ed- Sherman. Yep. I'm an educator. I'm a producer. Yes, and I'm a writer and producer. Exactly. And we have a new category, which is on the fence. What the? Yeah, right. <laughs> Gillian's category, and I think it's a great category. (laughs) Coming up, A Spy Among Friends. A Spy Among Friends from England and available on Prime Video is a true story based on the book of the same name by Ben McIntyre. And this is a complicated tale about the Cambridge-educated Kim Philby, who, as an intelligence agent in the top echelons of the SIS, which was what Britain's Secret Service was called, betrayed Britain to the Russians for over 30 years. Unbelievable. So there are layers within layers of treason, romance, espionage, and friendship, which makes this, for me, a fascinating six-part series. And listen, series alert, frankly, I found the first episode so intricately woven that I fell asleep and gave up. The series is not to be watched when you're when you're tired. Talk about falling asleep, because I, I was the same. It, it is a bit slow going at the beginning. Exactly. But if you if you close your eyes for a second or look at get a text <laughs> or try and buy something on Amazon, forget it. You yeah. miss a whole bunch of detail that you are going to need as the story progresses. Yes. As it starts off, it is England in 1963, and Nicholas Elliott, a real person, played by Damien Lewis, who I loved in Homeland and is an incredible actor, uh, is a charming son of privilege who is working for the SAS when he learns that his closest friend and fellow spy, Kim Philby, played by the amazing Guy Pierce, has been secretly working as a double agent for the KGB for years. Years. The you know the crazy thing is that Philby and he are cut from the same cloth. Each went to Cambridge and they frequented the same clubs, drinking heavily and you know smoking heavily, smoking up a storm. And what no one knew was that for reasons that the series I must admit leaves something of a mystery, Philby had been entranced by the Soviet cause in the 30s and has been betraying his. And so country. many people were. I mean, you know, that's the thing. I mean, there were. That's what the Cambridge Five was all about. Yeah. And 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 so many young people in America, in England, everywhere around the world were entranced by the Soviet cause. But briefly, the series opens in Beirut in 1963, where Nick Elliott has been sent to persuade Kim Philby to reveal all his activities and exchange be given not jail time for treason to Britain, but a new identity 
and he would, you know, live a cushy life somewhere in the countryside in Britain. Things get sticky when, under Elliot's watchful eye, the mission apparently fails, and Kim Philby escapes Beirut to Moscow. The big mystery is, did Elliot purposely let him get away? And why? And why? Into this drama comes Lily Thomas, a sharp, plain-looking woman from MI5, assigned to investigate Nick Elliott's misadventure in Beirut. She's clever and wonderfully played by a actress named Anna Maxwell Martin, who's amazing. And she becomes a bit of a bit of a heroine, doesn't she? Oh, absolutely. The series does not dash forward like some James Bond novel, although Ian Fleming, who worked for SIS, does make a very brief appearance. There are story advances that turn into dead ends, and then there are seemingly innocent events that lead down important dark alleys. Because we see Philby and Elliot as brave young spies during World War II. Then we see them in their roles post-war. Then we see their fateful last meeting in Beirut. And eventually, the present where Elliot is struggling with his friend's deception, and Philby is leaving a very dreary existence in Moscow. Damien Lewis, for me, as Nick Elliott, is the soul of British Reserve with a delight in dirty limericks. And I bought his performance, although there was a kind of person of the lips that he adopts, uh, you know, that seemed more like a tick than a dramatic statement. It was kind of a strange. Uh, that's a bit of a Damien Lewis thing, isn't is it? it? Yeah. yeah, I think it is. I, I don't mind it. I know. I know what you mean, though. He I thought he was really good. I mean, it, to be honest, he really is the star of the series versus Guy Pierce, who of course I also adore is a wonderful actor. I found difficulties with the, with the Kim Philby character, but I'm not sure it was because it was a problem in the writing as it was so much a problem in believing who this person was in reality. Yeah. No, I, I think, I think that what the, the, the filmmakers chose to do was frame the whole story through the interview with, with Nick. Elliot, yeah. with you know the Damien Lewis character, and Lily Tom- Thomas, Anna Maxwell Martin is interviewing him because she's in my five and she's investigating. And as she said, how could you let the most dangerous Soviet spy leg it out of Beirut? I okay. mean, what possessed you? I, I find it a little confusing as to what exactly happened there. First of all, uh, Elliot, he is two steps ahead of everybody. And well, I, what- I I think we were supposed to believe, and again, I am not an expert on the subject matter, but I think we were supposed to believe that Nicholas Elliot knew exactly what he was doing by letting him leave and go to Russia. Yes, and that, it- that in, in some ways was his punishment. Well, you know, I found it hard to believe that the Kim Philby character, who seemed to care little for anything except a gin and tonic, had so much conviction that he let his political beliefs mandate giving up his life of privilege, you know, for drab food, sketchy lodgings, and a very bleak existence in Russia, that his betrayal is not just some philosophical thing that happened. His betrayal caused the death of perhaps thousands of people. Yeah. And he he firmly, firmly states that he believes in the cause and continues to believe in the cause and hasn't given up a living cause. But as I was thinking, you know, the epitaph, for this show is the Ian, the famous Ian Forster quote, which is, if I had to choose between betraying my country and betraying my friend, I hope I should have the guts to betray my country. Ah, I had, I didn't know that, but it's a very and, interesting and I, quote. And I think that that is at the heart of what goes on with 
with Elliot because I think he can't believe that he would betray his friend. But I found that there are all sorts of elements that might have given me more context for the Kim Philby character. For instance, the fact that he had five children. And not that that's like, a this is not a guy who's like a big dad, but the fact that they didn't mention it and that they did not seem to um, impact his decision of whether to go or stay. Because I think that it was a bit, as I say, woolly, very English expression, but, very, but there was something a bit woolly about it. You know, they didn't, they didn't entirely commit. Um, and I don't know why. I mean, the wooliness was to do with not giving me enough details that it would have given me more insight into Philby's character. Things like he had five children, things like a couple more scenes, maybe with the, with the Russian love interest spy. Not that that would have explained his betrayal. It just would have given him me more context for Philby, you know? Yeah, no, I know what you, I know what you're saying. I, 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 and and that's why I know the guy Pierce character isn't equal to to the Damian Lewis character, you know, in a way. You know, even though I fell asleep on the first episode, I have to give this a huge binge. If you love John Le if you love British spy series, then you really will enjoy this in spite of whatever flaws or confusions it might have. For me, it was a binge, definitely. And next, we're going to be talking about Mariachis, a new Netflix series. It's Mexico, and the Cuevas family is loving and close-knit. Lucia, the wife, and Rosendo are happily married with two grown sons, Pedro, an aspiring rock musician, and older son, Jorge. And what makes them different is that Father Rosendo was once a famous composer and performer of mariachi, which was, you know, as we all know, once the heart and soul of what we all thought of Mexican music a thousand years ago, and now somewhat relegated to the tourist route. But there was a dark side in this family's history. Rosendo was part of a duet years ago with his brother Gavilan, and back in the day, Gavilan was the arrogant, charismatic, and popular star of the duo. He was happy to steal the spotlight. He had women falling at his feet. But when the series opens, we see Gavilan deeply in debt and hustling to pay off his debts to a gangster who's more than happy to kill him if he doesn't pay off. And the backstory is also that Rosendo, these two brothers, and Gavilan have had a huge rift and haven't spoken to each other for years. But there's something more serious going on. Rosendo, the brother, has Alzheimer's. It's a horrible diagnosis at best, clearly. And the only slight blessing is that now Rosendo can't quite recall the very dark secret behind why he and his brother Gavilan aren't speaking. But given the diagnosis, Lucia, Lucinda's wife, wants to find a way to give meaning to his life. And so she and her two sons rally to form a new mariachi band. But when brother Gavilan hears there's a new band, he shows up like a bad penny. Partly he's hoping to make money to pay off his debts, and mostly he wants to rekindle his former stardom. He has, Gavilan has no shame and even publicizes, which is really horrible, his brother's Alzheimer's to get attention. Pedro, the younger brother, wants to boost his father's confidence by having his father write songs for Pedro's own rock band. And it's a blend of mariachi and rock. But ultimately, the family is at the core of the story. Well, it's a telenovela, shot like one, it smells like one, except for the subject matter, which, well, maybe that's also soap opera territory. 
it feels like a typical Central American, Latin American soap opera. Yeah, I've seen telenovelas. You know, we've been watching some stuff, which we didn't even want to review because we really didn't feel they were worthwhile. I think that this is more than. Well, I think I think its ambitions are more than. I yes, don't think this is true. it actually is more than, but but I think it has great ambitions and and obviously I have the the the, the addition of the music is really an attempt was, to make it yeah. commercial. Now, I thought the music was really bad actually. I liked the band. I actually thought the band was good. And I like the combination of the, you know, of the two music forms. You will find that there's a secret behind, you know, the relationship between Gabilon and Rosendo and Lucia, which you can see a, a mile off. You know, you know what's coming. I mean, you know, I hate flashbacks in general, but yes. hey, spy, spy Among Friends has lots of flashbacks oh, yeah. and they work. In this case, I don't think they did work. And there's like lots of bad makeup. It did not <laughs> offend me. I'm sorry. It did not offend me. It has that splashy telenovela. The colors are very saturated. This is kind of the Mexican culture, and that is a part of what you will see in Mexico. So I don't think that that was like out of sync with what you might experience. I, no, it feels it felt pretty cliched to me. On you that did level. okay. Yeah, so, I mean it was mel- It's incredibly melodramatic. We obviously disagree on this. For me, telenovela has has over the top emotions with people reacting in ways that are you know that are extreme and not necessarily believable. And at the end of the day, when I got to the last episode of this, what stuck with me was the idea of them dealing with the Alzheimer's. And, you know, to some degree, I was a little uncomfortable with how lightly they took it, you know, but on the other hand, I thought to myself, well, this is a great, this is probably a great way to to deal with it, that they decided to continue and find some positive thing to make of it. You know, I thought it was, I thought it was charming. As I said, I found the makeup bad. I can't bear the way they shoot these things. Acting was really mediocre. Oh, well, um, I mean, it, look, I, it was painful to watch. I'm uh, sorry. Well, okay. So for me, it was a binge. And for me, it was absolutely do not go there. Don't waste the time. Life is too short. <laughs> Bomb. Next up, a French political thriller called Spin. From Amazon Prime. Spin is a 18-episode series that's on Amazon Prime. And those who've been suffering from political drama withdrawal will be <laughs> thrilled to discover this wonderful French series. I'm a huge fan of, of shows like Borgen House of Cards and The West Wing. Uh, this one focuses on dueling spin doctors and the presidential election, and then subsequently the, the president who is elected. In French, it's called, perhaps more appropriately, Les Hommes de l'Ombre, which translates as the more poetic shadow men. So lurking in the background, spin doctors are the men, and nowadays there's some women, who carry huge power with the responsibility of getting the clients elected. They're only as good as their last win. After the assassination of a wonderful French president that everybody loved, the spin doctor, Simon Capita, you know, has to find a candidate to run against the current prime minister. And just like in the West Wing, the politicians are a secondary focus. Who cares about the politicians, actually? We like following the rumpled Capita as he searches for fresh meat. And he finds Anne Visage, who's played beautifully 
by Natalie Bai, and she's a wonderful actress. And we meet his former mentee and competitor, who's now running the company that Capita built, Ludovic Desmouze. And again, oh, he's so are, handsome. He's so handsome. And he's played by Gregory Fatusi. He's so handsome. So he's working with the incumbent prime minister, who's a bit of a lower on ethics. He has cynically misled the electorate <laughs> by implicating immigrant terrorists as the assassins of the president. So for Cap- Capita and Demeuse, a victory for their client, and let's face it, the clients are all interchangeable as far as they're concerned, is merely a means to screw one another. So spin doctors fighting spin doctors is really what it's all about. Because, you know, once they're elected, they keep them on to forward their messages of whatever platforms they're running, you know, they, they've been elected to accomplish. We get to know a little bit about their lives. Capita has a brilliant ex-wife who is a journalist who, based on, I think, a tip he gets ends up in prison in Syria. Um, he's also got a delightful daughter who he worships. Women swoon over both of these guys. Um, they seem to sleep with everybody that they see. I, you know, I must <laughs> say that every character that walks on there somehow winds up in bed with one of them. And particularly the Greg Fatuzzi character. I have to say I was really disappointed by kind of the lack of dimension in his character. I mean, he plays yes. sort of, he's the black to Capita's white. And and there's no kind of gray. After like the first or second episode of the first season, when I think Demos is going to actually have some depth to him, he becomes the black hat for the rest of the of the three seasons. And yeah. as you said, you can understand why he is so venal. He is, you know, willing to do almost anything. But it but ha- it's to- only one dimensional. Yeah. yeah. Unlike the the Capita character, who is really complex and interesting. He's always on the right side, even when he's manipulating and turning things, he's always on the right side. He has to do things that other people won't to make the right side triumph. And then in second two, two series, we then have the wonderful character, the play by Carole Bouquet of the First Lady. She's almost the most interesting character, you know, she in the really last. She really is. I mean, she's, she's beautiful, she's intelligent, and she's bipolar. I mean, she was just like one level above what was approached. She goes to her political reception and she's just one level too loud. That was really well portrayed. It wasn't so over the top. She's a crazy person drooling, you know. She is a, a dimensional character. So to go back to the title, Les Ondes d'Ombre, every single person has their shadow side. Feels pretty fresh. <laughs> okay, so what did you think? Oh, look, it's a total binge. I mean, I haven't had anything decent to watch since Le Bureau along these lines. And I really really loved it once once it gets going i loved it and i loved it as well my one caveat is that i was a little confused i should have googled before and done my homework on french politics on the difference between the president and the prime minister but yeah. that is not the fault of the series because it was made in french for french people <laughs> that understand this so given that yes i would say for me it's a binge We urge you to check us out on Instagram and on our website, which is bingerbomb.com. And you can always find us on Apple or Google or Spotify podcasts. And next time, we're going to be doing another three series from totally different parts of the world. And let us know. Gillian. For episode 17, we have Am I Being Unreasonable, a British comedy series, which is on Hulu, Good Mothers, an Italian drama which is on Hulu as well. 
Money Heist. We're we know everybody in the whole world has seen Money Heist, but for those of you who haven't, it's an amazing show and really worth discussing. So that you can find on Netflix. We look forward to carrying on the conversation and let's talk about it. Send us any of your ideas for shows that you'd like us to review. We would love to hear from you. 